when we got back to their marina lift, we met these people that Laura called the crazy loopers. And they're on their boat for a year, just driving around the U.S. And I was like, Laura, you're, that can't be right. And she's like, no. And they have dock tails, and they're just wild people. Welcome to Trawler Talk, the official podcast of Passage Maker Magazine, the long-range cruising authority. I'm your host, Editor-in-Chief Jeff Moser. If this is your first time here, welcome. And if you're a returning listener, thanks for coming back. Before we get into our latest podcast, I'd like to thank our sponsor, America's Great Loop Cruisers Association. The adventure of a lifetime is America's Great Loop. Discover the breathtaking beauty of our nation's waterways as you embark on a journey like no other. Cruise through historic canals, serene lakes, and vibrant rivers, all while immersing yourself in diverse cultures and charming towns. Start your unforgettable journey today and make memories that'll last a lifetime. Visit greatloop.org and plan your adventure. A few episodes ago on Trawler Talk, we spoke with Kim Russo, who's the director of the AGLCA. I learned quite a few things about the function of the group, how the association helps its members with planning, itineraries, what limitations one might encounter along the way, and more. One of the things that really stuck with me is how the association onboards new members. So I made it my goal to find someone who was planning their maiden voyage on the Great Loop. Our next guest, April and Rio de Janeiro, are that couple. Just a few years back, they had never even heard of the Great Loop and were satisfied cruising on lakes and rivers in their 20-footer. But like many people, when they started the plan for their busy lives after retirement, boating moved to the top of the list. And when they heard about this crazy American adventure that is the Great Loop, they were hooked. We talk about their interesting careers, how they met many years ago at the bottom of the world, their induction to all things Great Loop, and their long and now successful search for their forever boat. I hope you enjoy the podcast. What brought you to Antarctica? My total Navy career was 17 years. I flew airplanes. I flew P3s, uh, that we're submarine chasers. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I when I was up for new orders, um, I was living in Hawaii, and the orders came up to go join the squadron that flew C-130s with skis on them down in Antarctica. And I just... That, I, I said right away, I'm taking it. I'm going to go to that squadron because that sounds like something I really want to do. So that's what I did. So I spent three years in that squadron, spending five months every year in Antarctica, which is the, the summer season down there, the science season mm-hmm. for the National Science Foundation. Wow. Wow. So and- I, was the, I was the operations officer down there and, uh, and got to do everything there was to do. It was, it was an absolute blast. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's where you met April. Yes. Um, the, after the conference in Virginia, uh, her third graders would write me. We had email. This was back in the mid-90s. And being a uh, ward of the National Science Foundation, uh, we had internet down on the ice. Mm-hmm. And her third graders would write and ask me what it was like, how many penguins I've seen, and if I was going to make sure her teacher, <laughs> their teacher, was going to be safe mm-hmm. when she came to the ice. Oh, so we communicated in the in that method. Um, and April was always on the other line helping the kids. So yeah, we talked a lot before she got there, and then when she flew into New Zealand, I happened to be up there for the weekend and flew her down the uh, the eight hour flight down to McMurdo Station. Um, when she was ready to go down there. So mm-hmm. that was that was how we met. Yeah. Now wow. we got, got to know each other. Wow. A- April, what was your experience like in Antarctica? Well, I um, I taught in Virginia uh, outside of Charlottesville, 
and they were uh, Charlottesville's tech department at the Ed School was really uh, UVA's Glenn Bull was his name. He was really trying to get the internet into schools. He mm-hmm. firmly believed, and and proved to be true, that you know kids needed to be using the technology and learning it so that it would you know grow you know sort of organically and naturally as the kids grew. And uh, they were originally going to start in high schools and put the internet and the computers into the high schools. And I felt strongly that that was the wrong thing to do because as technology changed, you know, you wanted it to move up and the better technology should be with older kids. Mm-hmm. So I started uh, pounding, I guess is a good word, the National Science Foundation to do a project where kids could use the internet to learn and talk about science. And so I roped in everybody I could, including Rio, to talk to my third graders to prove to the National Science Foundation that, you know, that was a great way to pr- promote science and to get uh, proof that the younger kids could use technology. And uh, it was a blast. I had so much fun doing it. And the fact that I convinced the National Science Foundation to take an elementary school teacher instead of a high school teacher um, was, was wonderful. And I actually went to South Pole and uh, worked with a group of astrophysicists doing uh, infrared astronomy. And the joke of it all was that most of these elite astrophysicists from the University of Chicago had developed a passion for science and for the stars in third grade. And since I was a third grade teacher, we had a lot in common. They were, they were worried about being with a third grade teacher for you know, a month, and I was worried about being with a bunch of elite scientists, but mm-hmm. we found out we had a lot of common ground. Yeah, the seeds were planted way early in those kids, like you said, and uh, exactly. they became astrophysicists. And uh, so you guys eventually, you know, get back to the United States and were married in the mid-90s and were living in Hawaii for a while where, Rio, you flew for the Navy, then you became a commercial pilot for Delta. Is that right? That's correct. We we got married after I came back from uh, my third deployment in Antarctica, mm-hmm. and I uh, got orders out to Hawaii. I was flying a four-star admiral out there around in a P3 uh, VIP airplane. Mm-hmm. He was a glorified airline uh, pilot with a name. Airline pilot that, <laughs> at that time. Uh, and then I met, both April and I met, we were in Los Angeles. We met the man who did the hiring for Delta Airlines. Mm-hmm. And... Um, we sat drinking some beers with them, and he hired me at the bar. So I wasn't going to turn that down. So I walked away from the Navy with three years left to go for 20, uh, but I don't regret it. Yeah, okay. Um, so and then you eventually, once you worked for Delta, you located to the East Coast of the United States somewhere, uh, Georgia. We were in Peachtree City. Everybody always laughs because they think of everything being named Peachtree something. Mm-hmm. And we lived in Peachtree City, Georgia. <laughs> That's great. Um, so then you started your boating. Um, it seems like airline pilots, at least among the ones I know, are very, a lot of them are very avid boaters. You you guys started boating down there. You got into it. So tell well, me. We started boating together. Mm-hmm. I, I boated as a, as a kid with my father. I, oh. I grew up just 30 miles south of where we are now mm-hmm. on the Noose River. So I was a you know, my high one of my high school summer jobs was teaching sailing. My dad and I boated on the river all the time, sailed in, power boated, fished. Um, but and, it kind of proves your hypothesis because yeah. his dad was a marine pilot mm-hmm. and loved boating. Yeah. So as he retired, he got into more boating. But yeah, so we April and I uh, got our first boat while we were in Peachtree City, a smaller boat, Grady White, mm-hmm. built right close to where we are now. Yeah. Um, and we spent a lot of time on the lakes, the rivers and the coast of the Carolinas and Florida. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, it, that's, you know, again, the seed is planted like it was planted in those young kids that became astrophysicists, and the boating bug mm -hmm. gets you. So, you know, you're doing the lake boating, and then you s sort of hear about the Great Loop. How did that come about? Well, um, you know, during the pandemic, they changed all of people's teaching assignments, and mm -hmm. so I wound up teaching with this gal that I had previously taught with, but had kind of lost touch with her. Her name was Laura. And she was telling me one day while we were planning that she and her husband had bought a 40-foot yacht. Mm. And they were leaving it in Scottsboro. Is it Scottsboro Scottsville? Yeah. Alabama. Anyway, Goose Pond Marina. Mm -hmm. And she said, y'all could come and we'll go out on the boat. Oh. And I'm thinking, good gravy. I didn't know Laura and Bill could afford a 40-foot boat. And yeah. so we go there to visit them mm -hmm. and they take us out on a 44-foot carver mm -hmm. that they had purchased from a, a couple that were, you know, aging out and could no longer maintain the boat. Mm -hmm. And uh, we went out on it for the day. And when we got back to their marina slip, we met these people that Laura called these crazy loopers. <laughs> and they're on their boat for a year, just driving around the U.S. And I was like, Laura, you're, that can't be right. And she's like, no. And they have docktails, and they're just wild people. And mm -hmm. so I said, Bill, her husband, said, well, you know, it, it is a thing. It's like the Appalachian Trail or climbing Mount Everest, only you do it in a boat. And so on the way home from visiting them, we looked up AGLCA, and we wound up joining in the car on the way home. <laughs> there you go. Um, yep. And then how did you progress your uh, boating life into ALGCA? Did you go to some events? What ways did you connect with other loopers? We did. Um, it was funny because we didn't do much of anything for the next two years, mm -hmm. although we did look at the forum and it just seemed daunting. It, it didn't seem very um, easy to do. We were just sort of looking at it like, I don't, I don't know that we'd ever manage that. And Mm -hmm. Plus, we knew we were going to retire in two years, and we were planning to travel the world. And uh, then this little thing called a pandemic hit and sort of changed all of our timelines. Mm -hmm. And so we wound up selling our house in Georgia. Rio took early retirement from Delta. I took early retirement as, by buying up a bunch of previous years teaching. And we moved and came to North Carolina. And when we first got here, we did a virtual uh Spring Rendezvous with AGLCA. Okay. And um, we were in a group with, um, I think his name is Mike O'Malley, who does powerboat, like a little uh, out, uh, outboard powerboat, does the loop that way. Mm -hmm. And so we were put in his group, um, but we met some other people that were like living in Arizona and buying a, a big Katie Krogan or Katie Krogan Express. And mm -hmm. so it kind of opened our eyes into the many different ways people configure the loop. Mm -hmm. um, so then we went and did a looper lifestyle in Charleston. And that was like one of the first face-to-face -face events that uh, Kim and Julie and Karen uh, undertook. Mm -hmm. And um, and, and that, was, that was interesting. It wasn't, it was probably our least, favorite thing we did with AGLCA because it was so weird being still in a pandemic. Yeah. Um, but then shortly after that, uh, we started hearing about the fall rendezvous down in um, Alabama. So we did 
one fall rendezvous, and we've subsequently done two spring rendezvous. Yeah, in 2022, uh, so right? And, and, yeah, okay. we did, we did went to Norfolk in 2022 and 2023. Wow, wow! So we've gone to it twice. And at that point, you were did you start looking for boats at that point, or were you just sort of asking questions and trying to learn as much as you could? What what was the sort of the game? Yes, we started. We started a mission statement. Um, a man, yeah, exactly. We we were told, yeah, you need a mission statement to find the boat you really want. So okay. We spent a lot of time looking at different boats, listening to people, and writing down uh, our wants. In the meanwhile, we had sold our smaller ready white and gotten a twin engine uh, center console so we could zoom up and down the river a little bit better here. <laughs> Uh, we had purchased a, a little larger slip in our marina. We live right over our marina. It's a neighborhood marina. Okay. And uh, it, we bought that larger slip in anticipation of getting the looper boat um, eventually. And the size of our slip kind of limits the boats that we were able to purchase because it's got a the largest slip, and we have that as a 40-foot slip, but oh. you can – go three feet over the 40 feet okay. and it's okay. Yeah. So you, the boat, the biggest boat you were going to get was going to be 43 feet. You own the slip with the property. So you were just sort of married to that in a right. way. Okay. Right. Okay. Yeah. Correct. Mm -hmm. And the interesting thing was that that fall rendezvous, I went on this boat called the blue barnacle. That was a great Harbor 37. Mm -hmm. And I was just so enamored with it. And Rio just kept saying, it won't fit in our slip. It's <laughs> way too wide. Oh, yeah. And it, but that, that kind of um, experience, those looper crawls, mm -hmm. that seriously is the best learning. I always tell people on the forum, if you can get to a rendezvous and do a looper crawl, that really uh, is eye-opening in terms of what you, you know, we wrote a mission statement, never really understanding what the choices were and the trade-offs that we're, we're gonna we're gonna matter. Mm -hmm. um, so it was it was very clarifying to do those uh, looper crawls and get on the boats and actually hear from the people doing the loop the things that they wished they'd have done and the things they wished oh, they hadn't. So yeah. that was amazing. Again, a quick word from our sponsor, America's Great Loop Cruisers Association. Are you ready for an unforgettable voyage? Explore the wonders of the Great Loop now. Dive in at greatloop.org. Now let's get back to our podcast. Yeah, I'm sure that there's a lot to learn at those, and uh, those rendezvous are really helpful. So you must have, I mean, did you make friends with people that were actually currently on the loop and sort of keep in touch with them as well? We did. Mm -hmm. uh, people always call, call us shy, tongue-in-cheek, because we're, we're not. We make friends with everybody we meet, mm -hmm. and we met so many of the loopers at these rendezvous, including Kim. Kim Russo. Yeah. Um, we volunteered to work at the, the ship store. Oh. Uh, at our first rendezvous at the spring run. I guess we started in Alabama. So we were always called to say, yes, we, you can work at the ship store. <laughs> and then Julie Shea uh, became a friend because she ran a ship store while we were there. Mm -hmm. But that's where we got to know uh, Julie Shea and Kim Russo and, and Kim Russo's now boyfriend, Michael Martin. Mm hmm. And, what, and Mike Martin, it was a broker for uh, uh, Curtis Stokes. Okay. Okay. So now you're, you're sort of, you're zeroing in. I mean, you could maybe tell me what way, what did you learn from those veteran loopers? I mean, you said what to do and what not to do. Was there anything else about, 
maybe locations or anything else that you would want in a boat that you wouldn't think of before you spoke with them? Oh my gosh. It was just, I felt like my head was on a swivel because each person (laughs) you'd talk to and each boat you would go on, you would think this is a boat I want. No, man, I need to have a boat that has this. And Mm -hmm. it was, um, equally, I'm not doing this boat. Like, this is not the boat I want. No, 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 no. Even though it might have this, that's not something that we need in our boat. Mm -hmm. So, um, but along the way, the people were so generous and so friendly and so willing to help you. Like the, I, there's people, if you go on the forum, you know, you're going to see a post by, um, the Sanderson's, you're going to see a post by Foster and Susan Mm -hmm. Tucker. You're going to see a post by Claudia and Dave Fuller. Mm -hmm. And then when you go to these, uh, events, those are the people that are presenting seminars. Yeah. And, they're so cool to talk to them because you say, you know, oh, hi, I'm, and they're like, yeah, we exchange messages on the forum. And mm-hmm. you just become welcomed into the fold. They're so generous of their time and their information, information and their experiences that you get a sense of, um, you know, that you're not going to be alone doing this. It isn't like you are going to be boating by yourself. And yeah. I think that that really is what makes the loop appealing to us is mm-hmm. that you know we're, we're looking at it as a series of day trips but you know we did enough boating with our little boats to know there's always going to be a problem and <laughs> that you are always you know in our little boat we run aground and easily get off with a paddle yeah. um, or we would have you know the, the motor would not deploy correctly of our trolling motor and we have to figure out how to do that in a, mm-hmm. uh, at a dock on the side of, you know, uh, the Georgia intercoastal waterway. Yeah. Um, you know, we navigated eight foot tide swings and worried about our boat sitting on the mud when we were down in, uh, Crystal river, Florida. Mm-hmm. So we kind of learned, uh, and these people validated that you're going to have problems that you're going to solve every single day. And every single day is going to be a different problem. Mm-hmm. But if you just sort of enjoy it as an opportunity to uh, stay active and mentally engaged, you know, you could, you'll get through it and that those people will be there to help you, whether it's on the forum or just down the, another slip. Yeah. That and is, uh, that's that, really comforting. I think that is such a positive outlook. And uh, Rio, you had mentioned a few minutes back that um, you had met a broker at the rendezvous last spring, and then you started to narrow down the boats you were interested in buying. So Tell me about that experience. With the rendezvous that we had attended, the looper crawls, we had that mission statement. Uh-huh. And moving here to our neighborhood, uh, we had friends with bigger boats. So a couple of them had trawlers. A couple of them had cruisers. Um, I had decided very early on that I wanted a flybridge and a lower helm. Uh, I didn't want the uh, the wrap around the flybridge to keep me out of the weather. I just wanted to go down a lower helm if I got bad. Yeah. Uh, but I wanted the open air of the flybridge. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, Two engines would have been fine, but one engine would suit me if it was very safe. So uh, we we narrowed it down, and then I, I was looking on uh, Yacht World, finding boats that were for sale, and I set up a system that Yacht World would send me emails with all the new boats that are coming up for sale. Every, every time a new one got listed, yep. I'd get an email with four or five boats. And, I was, and we were at the uh, 2022 rendezvous, and had dinner with a bunch of the loopers and Kim and Michael Martin. And I said to Mike, I said, Mike, 
you know, we've been looking for a boat for quite a while and I can't find one. I, I would like to hire you as my broker to help me find a boat. He said, okay, sure. I said, okay, what do we need to do to, to sign a contract? He goes, we just did. <laughs> I like There's that. No paperwork involved. I said, really? He goes, yeah. So I said, okay. So I thought, all right, we're going to, he's going to send me a bunch of, bunch of boats to look at. Mm -hmm. And then he didn't. And I thought, what? Mike's not doing his job. I don't know. Did he forget that he's supposed to be working for me? <laughs> so these, these uh, Yacht World boats, he come up for sale. Also, we were looking at fast cruisers, uh, all sorts of things. And I'd send them, I'd say, Mike, what about this one? Mm -hmm. And he, it wouldn't be but a few minutes later. Nope, that one's been on the market too long. Or, oh. nope, you don't want that because of this. Nope, there was always something wrong with the boats I was sending him. He knew it. Yeah. And uh, so it, it just it kept going. I was getting frustrated. And finally, this email came from Yacht World where this Nordic Tug 37 flybridge pops up. Ah. And one of my best friends here in the neighborhood has a 2005 Nordic Tug flybridge. And we had been on it. And mm -hmm. I loved the flybridge. And I thought, wow really this thing just popped up and it was a 2008 so i sent it to michael and he went i just saw that i was going to tell you do you want to put money down on it or you want to see it first oh <laughs> yeah oh. he said he said i said let me put money down on it. let's stop this sale process yeah and it, the boat at the time was located in fort walton a marina at fort walton beach mm -hmm. so we set up a time to go drive fort walton which was a long way from here um to go see it and that's how we started the the uh and we loved it it was a beautiful boat yeah. mike said it was a beautiful boat and well and one of the reasons why we weren't hearing from michael as often as we might have is he and kim were doing their loop yeah. so he was on the loop and i do not know how he and kim managed to have full-time jobs and do the loop and mm -hmm. create all the resources that they did and and michael is really amazing and when we did go down for that uh meeting with the Bensons who owned our boat, uh, they were so they were as impressed with Michael as anybody else because he was so dang knowledgeable and he knew everything about the boat. I don't know if naturally he just knows a lot of boats or what, mm -hmm. but um, he he was invaluable. And yeah. uh, he said, if you all had not said you were going to put money on that boat, I was going to tell you to put money on that boat. So yeah. his his style was perfect for us. So he sort of let us lead, but he was pretty much in the background guiding it, us it proves that a good broker is is so worth it in the process and he knew exactly. that he knew that you knew the nordic tug flybridge model he knew that specific boat so you per yep. you, and, ended, uh, you ended up purchasing actually cruised with that boat oh yeah he the bensons were just finishing their loop they were going from they were going from uh fort walton down to cape Coral, florida to, to cross their way Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, that's, you know, so you, you ended up purchasing the boat. Uh, I think you called it Teamo is the name of the boat. And um, we, yes, we purchased it in Cape Coral is where we did the survey and the purchase. Yeah, that's great. And then tell me about uh, some of the trips you've taken on the boat since you've had her. Well, um, one of the things that I was concerned about with the boat being in Cape Coral was getting it back here in North Carolina. I thought, wow, that's, yeah, that's, sure. that's going to be a long trip, but my friend with the other Nordic tug, he's also a gearhead. He, he's, he's so good with mechanics and, and all the electronics on his boat. I thought he would be a great person to take along with me. Mm -hmm. And April wouldn't have been able to make that trip. Um, 
with our dog and everything else. So I asked Mike, uh, another Michael, Mark Karlovich, to uh, come with me. So he, we went down there, got the boat ready to travel. He came down the day before we left, and uh, Mike and I brought it up from Cape Coral. What a learning experience that was. That I, I learned so much about that boat by the time I got up here yeah. 20 days later. Um, I was ready to go. <laughs> but I was not ready to go. <laughs> I mean, I had gone down to Cape Coral and did all the provisioning and everything for he and Mike. And okay. the first sort of scary thing was that Mike brought about 10 bags of Double tools bag. and uh, things that you would need on your boat. And I'm thinking, <laughs> oh, my God, they're just going to be there for 20 days. And I'm going to be gone for a year on the loop and I'll never have space. And, but it was it, he just was being prepared because we didn't really know. You know, the boat surveyed perfectly. Yeah. Uh, the surveyors actually apologized that they could find nothing on our boat. That really? We that we could negotiate for. Really? Yeah. Wow. Um, the Benson's took such loving care of it. And mm-hmm. uh, and it's a really different looking Nordic tug because the first owner uh, did, was a woodworker. And he did a lot of wood touches and things it, on it the boat. It was a special order model. Oh, really? He, yeah. He yes. At, interestingly enough, he actually had it in minnesota or montana or somewhere yeah. and took it over and was going to sail it down to cape coral but he then decided to take it all apart and truck it down to cape coral mm. and uh it, the interesting thing is we've had to do some taking apart and we'll see the numbers like 1b with an arrow that goes to 1b uh, on the boat yeah. so he labeled everything and trucked it down and then put it back together mm-hmm. but uh it, it was uh they had no not a thing happened no, we Coming had, up from I had my uh, battery thruster battery died, and we just lived with the bow thruster, no stern thruster, but that wasn't really any big deal. Yeah. But then you asked what else we've done. Um, mm-hmm. the, the next thing that happened was the spring rendezvous in Norfolk, and we talked a bunch of other friends here to go up the Chesapeake with us. And, oh, wow. Uh, so we Great. Spent, we cruised. And it's a three, four-day trip from mm-hmm. here to Norfolk, up the ICW. And then after the rendezvous, we spent another week and a half in the Chesapeake, mm-hmm. uh, which was a great experience for April. That was that trip was her first time spending nights on the boat. Yeah. And the interesting thing is the people here in our marina, we belong to a little yacht club, which is pretty much just a party club. Uh-huh. But the people that have boats, uh, we've also then gone down to uh, Beaufort, and we stopped in Oriental, and then we went to Beaufort, and then we came back and stopped at River Dunes, which is near Oriental, mm-hmm. and then came back. And then we're actually going tomorrow out to Ocracoke um, on our own little excursion out there until Wednesday. Mm -hmm. And we were supposed to leave Sunday, but the weather is going to be so bad on Sunday and even on Saturday that we're leaving tomorrow to go. So we're already getting a taste of, you know, how your plans change due to weather. That's a seven and a half hour jaunt at eight knots from uh, from here, 60 miles down the river, then across the sound. Mm. It's a nice trip. Uh, yeah, throw those calendars away, just so you know. I, I'm sure you know that at this point. Yeah. yeah. We've There's... actually got a, a float plan uh-huh. uh, that we are creating so that we kind of are going around the loop and, and uh, figuring out, you know, where we think we'll stop. But, you know, we're looking at it as a, just a series of day trips. Yeah, so, um, that's right. You know, we, we expect that to change every day, but at least we – for me, anyway, mm-hmm. I'm going around the loop and looking at all the possible places where we would land. Yeah. So I guess that we can we can wrap up on that last question. So when are you planning on casting off? And I know that uh, I had read the really lovely letter you wrote me, and you guys have a Juno will be with you, I believe, on the boat, right? Is that right? 
She will. Yeah. Um, and she's our, she's a great boat dog. She's been on these <laughs> trips with us. Good. But we're planning on leaving the same time uh, next April as we left for the rendezvous this past year. Okay. And we do plan on going to the rendezvous. So right at the end of April, uh, we'll go spend a week at the rendezvous and then continue north. Um, we do want to give a shout out to friends of ours that we met that sure. April will talk to people. Yeah, um, so Kim and Ted uh, live up in the Petoskey area, and they're from uh, Indiana, but they're living, they're boating houses at Petoskey, Michigan, Mm -hmm. and we met them at that first fall uh, rendezvous. Well, actually, I guess we met Tim at the first fall rendezvous, Ted at the first fall rendezvous, and then Kim, uh, we met at the spring rendezvous, and then when we went back to the spring rendezvous, um, she was taking boat classes uh, in Florida. Mm-hmm. And so they were going to take off to do the loop. So we kind of this year did a loop with uh, Kim and Ted on pony. Oh, okay. And uh, so next year we are trying to convince them to join us when we get to the, uh, in New York, in Troy, New York. Uh, and yep. then they will do a different part of the loop. So they went, uh, the Erie to, um, Trent yeah, the Trent Severn. But we want this year to go through the Lake Champlain Canal mm-hmm. and come out in uh, Canada on the St. Lawrence River. And then we want to go down and do the Rideau down to Kingston yeah. and then to go over to the Thousand Islands. And since they want us to meet them in Petoskey, Michigan, um, we're going to run out of time if they don't come and join us. So I'm working on getting them to join us in Troy, New York, and do that. I guess it's called a triangle loop, maybe mm-hmm. triangle route. So, and but the amazing thing is, like, I'll post on the forum and ask a question, mm-hmm. and I get five and six people who live in that area who vote in that area. Everyone is just so willing to help, and the latest is a gentleman who boats up in the Thousand Island, Lake Champlain area. Mm-hmm. And he contacted Kim and he's going to create a harbor guide for that area. And I feel like he should dedicate it to me because I'm the one begging for information. Uh, yeah. I mean, you've, you've entered a, a really supportive and wonderful community. And, um, I hope you guys will keep in touch and, um, you know, send some photos along the way. And I wanted to thank you for joining us today on Trawler Talk. We enjoyed our it. Our pleasure. Thank you for contacting us. Best of luck with Tiamo, and um, we will um, hopefully be in touch next spring when you're on the loop. Thank you, guys. Take care. Thank you, Jeff. Once again, we'd like to thank our sponsor, America's Great Loop Cruisers Association. Are you ready for the adventure of a lifetime? Join America's Great Loop Cruisers Association today and immerse yourself in a vibrant community of boaters sharing tips, stories, and unforgettable experiences along the Great Loop waterways. From seasoned cruisers to new boaters, there's something here for everyone. Visit greatloop.org and begin planning your Great Loop adventure. Thank you for listening to Trawler Talk, the podcast of Passage Maker Magazine, the long-range cruising authority. If you enjoyed this episode, please do us a favor and go ahead and click that five-star rating. We would really appreciate it. And if you're not a subscriber to Passage Maker, it's easier than ever to get our magazine delivered to wherever you lay your head. Just go to passagemaker.com slash subscribe. This episode of Trawler Talk features post-production from Nate Gruca at Active Interest Media. For Passage Maker Magazine, this is Editor-in-Chief Jeff Moser. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, fair winds and safe travels.